Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be Spirit of Burning. Let's begin today in Isaiah chapter 4. In Isaiah chapter 4, beginning in the first verse, it says, And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name, to take away our reproach. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass, that he that is left in Zion, and he that remaineth in Jerusalem, shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof, by the spirit of judgment, and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion, and upon her assemblies, a cloud and smoke by day, and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat, and for a place of refuge, and for a covert from storm and from rain. Verse 4 told us, When the Lord shall have washed away the filth for the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof, by the spirit of judgment, and by the spirit of burning. This isn't just important for Israel. It is also important for us. We even see it prophesied in this chapter that this would be needed for the church as well as for Israel. Verse 2 said, In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. Not only was Israel the branch of the Lord, we're also the branches. John 5 and 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Today, we're the branches, so we know that this is for us too. It's important that we understand what exactly this means for us. What's our interaction with the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning? Let's first look at judgment. Judgment is only necessary when something wrong has been done. Judgment is required when sin has been committed. The Lord has to judge, otherwise He wouldn't be perfectly just. He doesn't judge out of a desire to punish people or make life harder than it has to be. He judges because He loves people enough to not want to see them doing what's wrong. He doesn't want to see them causing harm to themselves and to others. When it comes to the church, judgment takes on a very different form than it does for those in the world, mainly because we're working off of two very different standards and two very different foundations. When dealing with those in the world, many ignore God's law. They don't take it seriously, they have no respect for it, and they don't value it. Many people who don't like the idea of judgment, thinking that God is being too harsh or unrealistic in His demands, attempt to exonerate those in the world by saying that since they never had a relationship with God, that they never knew the law of God, and thus can't be held accountable when they break that law. But this isn't true. This is an excuse, which really means that it's a lie. Romans chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 say, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God have showed it unto them. In the New International Version, verse 18 is translated as, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Everyone intuitively knows the law of God. It's written upon their minds and hearts, but many suppress this knowledge, continually ignoring it, until it becomes harder and harder for them to discern it. Since people have an inward knowledge of the truth, it's necessary that judgment comes when that standard of truth is not met. 
A just God cannot tolerate sin in place of righteousness. This is even more important for the people of God. Our relationship with the truth is even closer than those in the world. Not only do we have Jesus, who is the truth personified, living within us, but we've also made a covenant with God. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33 says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. We've gone into covenant with God to follow and live the truth that He's laid out in His Word. Judgment is in order when we don't do according to the covenant, when we break it, going against the will of God. 1 Peter 4 and 17 tells us, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? As uncomfortable and unpleasant as judgment may be, it's needed in the church today. The church has wandered off course. It's allowed itself to wander away from God's will. And we need correction and readjustment. The church has lost sight of its core mission. And this fact alone has led to the church in many cases being rendered powerless and ineffective. We can't let it stay that way. And God won't tolerate it to stay that way. An important aspect of the spirit of judgment that we need to understand is that we're not the judge. Only God is the judge. When it comes to those in the world, even though what they do is clearly wrong and in many cases evil, it's not our place to judge them because they're holding themselves to a very different set of standards than we are. They want nothing to do with the law and covenant that we follow. So when we try to judge them, we're looking to judge them based off of a legal system that they're not even a part of. Not only this, but then people in the church also like to judge those in the world for doing the same things that they're doing. This is the essence of hypocrisy, and those in the world clearly see it for what it is. If there's anything that those in the world are continually looking for from those in the church, it's hypocrisy, and they're quick to seize and call out any sign of it that they find. When we do this, we're trying to pull the moat out of the world's eyes while we have a beam sticking out of our own. Why should we give them more ammunition for their criticism? People like to pretend to be the judge because it gives them a false sense of moral superiority. It gives them a false sense of authority, and it provides cover for them from facing judgment themselves. Because when someone judges them, they can quickly deflect and say how much more terrible the other person's actions have been. This isn't really judgment, and it's definitely not the spirit of judgment that the Lord speaks of here. This is a fraudulent, false counterfeit of it that the devil tries to work up amongst those in the church and in the world. We can't fall for the lie that we're meant to be the judges of those in the world. Romans chapter 2 verses 1 to 2 tell us, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever thou art that judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. There's a difference between judging them and warning them. We can and should warn those in the world when they're doing what's wrong and going against God's law, but we shouldn't judge them. That's not our place. Those in the world don't want judgment, just like the church doesn't. They don't want the Lord to do to them according to their actions. Nothing would seem worse to them. The devil seeks to lead his people further down the path to judgment. One of the main ways that he does this, which is especially clear today, is by blurring the lines between warning and judgment. When we warn people in love that they're doing something wrong, Many in the world misinterpret that as us judging them, when really it's not judgment at all. But this in their mind reinforces the thought that they're the victim of hypocritical Christians projecting their way of life and their moral code on other people, trying to force it upon them, 
when really no real Christian is trying to force anything on anyone. We all know that people have to come to God out of love and desire for Him, not out of force. No forced conversion was ever a real one. Thus, the devil gets people to ignore and refuse the warnings, only leading to people hardening their hearts in their wickedness and sin. One preacher said, Judge not has become the anthem for a culture that loves sin more than God. People go towards what they love. If they love God, they'll go towards God. They'll draw near to Him in His Word. But if they love sin, they'll go towards sin, following sin's directives and orders for their life. The fact that our warnings may be misinterpreted doesn't mean that we should stop warning people. We should always continue to speak the truth in love, no matter the outcome or the reaction that we receive. It's been said that the only thing needed for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. We should say something when we have the chance, but we should leave the judgment to God, and He will always bring the justice that His law requires. The next thing that we need to look at is the spirit of burning. Although the spirit of judgment is necessary for and will rest upon both the world and the church, the spirit of burning is unique to the church. We need the spirit of burning now more than ever. But what exactly is it? It goes hand in hand with the spirit of judgment. For the church, there are two sides of the same coin. We need both. The spirit of judgment is what exposes the wrong. And then the spirit of burning is the mechanism that the Lord uses to repair the wrong. Earlier, verse 4 told us, When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof, by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. The purpose of the spirit of burning is to purge the church. This is how the cleansing takes place. The chaff is burned away. Sin-infested areas of our lives, the sin-stained parts of the church, are burned away so that the church can be made whole again. The spirit of burning, working within a person, becomes outwardly evident when the fire of God falls on his people. Not only does the fire of God bring with it a new zeal and passion for serving the Lord, it also brings with it a purifying and cleansing effect. It brings a change, but groups of people don't all change at the same time and in the same way. It doesn't work that way. Change only happens one person at a time, on the individual level. What this means for us is that the spirit of judgment and spirit of burning must rest upon each of us. We don't just need the spirit of burning in the church. We need it in our life. We need the Holy Ghost fire in our life. Every Christian has some area in their life that needs the burning, and we always will because of our sin. But this doesn't mean that we shouldn't burn what we know needs to burn. We shouldn't let pet sins and other things that continually afflict us simmer and grow in our hearts because some other one will fill the void. We need to let the Holy Spirit rid us of it. This is why the spirit of burning isn't spoken of much. People don't like it because it's not what the human carnal nature desires. People don't want change and they certainly don't want correction. They only want affirmation and praise and support and nothing else. When the spirit of burning offers to come in and eradicate those parts of our life that are holding us back, keeping us away from God, stunning our spiritual growth, and working against us, some people refuse its benefits, being more content to stay in a state of affliction for the long term instead of accepting the short-term burning. Burning isn't comfortable, it's not pleasurable, and it never will be. But one of the biggest problems concerning this is that people don't understand God's fire. Isaiah 43 and 2 says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. This is a promise. When it comes time for us to go through the burning, God will be right there with us. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going through the furnace, 
We may have to go through, but we definitely won't be alone. We serve a God who has promised to never leave and never forsake us, and he meant that promise. Even during those times of our lives where there's change and upheaval happening, God doesn't change, and his constant care and protection for us doesn't change. There was a fourth man in the furnace whose visage was as the Son of God. It was Jesus, right there with them, and when we have the spirit of burning upon us, he'll be with us too. We may not like the fire, but the fire won't harm us. It won't destroy us. It will purify, cleanse, and refine us. Hebrews 12 and 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. This is part of who God is. He embodies spiritual fire. The spirit of burning is just an extension and a manifestation of His Spirit. This isn't like a fire in the natural. Spiritual fire, the fire of the Holy Ghost, is something that we should want to be consumed in. It's a place where we're protected. In a cold world, it's the fire of God that keeps us warm. It's the fire that falls the hardened heart, and it's what keeps our hearts from freezing into an unchanging, bitter, resentful heart. We need the fire. We need renewed zeal and passion throughout the church. We need Christians who don't just go through the motions and traditions just to do so, but we need people who do what they're called to do because of an unquenchable love and passion for God, people who take joy in their mission, people who won't rest or stop until the job gets done. It's God, the consuming fire within, that gives us the strength to do these things. This is also why the spirit of burning is so important. Jeremiah 20 and 9 says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart, as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Jeremiah wanted to give up. He wanted to stop serving the Lord, but he couldn't. He had too much passion. And even though he probably didn't feel like it at the time, he had too much love for the Lord. This is what the spirit of burning will do to us. It will make us have the same deep desire within our spirit to keep going no matter what to overcome any obstacle that the enemy puts in our way, and to continually look to God, even when everything around us seems to be falling apart. The fire will burn away the resistance that we face. Psalm 104 and 4 says, Who make of his angels spirits, his ministers of flaming fire. We've all been called to be ministers, just in different capacities and for different types of ministries, but no matter what our specific calling is, we're to be an unquenchable flaming fire for the Lord. Jeremiah 23 and 29 says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? His word is like a fire, and just like a fire in the natural, the word, when it's given to others, will spread. No matter what the specifics of our mission may be, we're all called to spread the fire of the word, and it's the spirit of burning that will help us to accomplish this. But what if we're not sure if we had the spirit of burning operating in our life? Or what if we don't feel zeal and passion for the Lord like Jeremiah did? What do we do? What can we personally do to see the fire of God come down on the church to bring about a revival like we've never seen before? Let's go to Revelation chapter 8. In Revelation chapter 8, beginning in the first verse, it says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints, upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, and filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. 
and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. This chapter holds the answer. Verse 4 told us, And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. The answer is prayer. If we want a fervent fire with fervent heat, we need to offer up fervent prayers before God. Prayer is how we release the power of God in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And it's how we release the fire. It's how we kindle it. Every fire must have some source. There has to be something to burn. And the kindling material is our prayers. The first part of verse 5 said, And the angel took the censer. That's the same censer that held the prayers of the saints, offered from honest, sincere, and longing hearts. Then verse 5 went on to say, And filled it with the fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. When the prayers go up, the fire comes down, because our prayers are sacrifices before God. When we come before Him in His presence and lay our prayers, our petitions, intercessions, and thanksgivings on the altar, just like in the days of the high priests of Israel, there'll be a burnt offering that will ascend as a sweet-smelling savor before God. If we want the fire, we have to devote time and energy to prayer. The fire of God is freely given. The spirit of burning will freely rest upon those who make their desire known to God. But we have to allow Him to move and work in our lives. If we want a fire-filled life, then we need to have a prayer-filled life. We need to make prayer a priority, a centerpiece of our life, something that we do daily. The biggest reason why the church seems today to be so powerless and ineffective, constantly succumbing to the demands of a wayward culture, is because of the lack of prayer amongst Christians. Christians have forgotten the power and importance of prayer. They've forgotten the potency of our greatest asset. Prayer can move mountains. Prayer can be the vehicle for which God heals and saves people. Prayer can break chains of bondage and affliction, but it can't do anything if it's never done. If we never fill the censer with prayer, God will never fill it with the fire from heaven. The spirit of burning can and will return to the church when the spirit of prayer grips the heart of God's people. Judgment is here. We see it all around us. But now we need to allow the spirit of judgment to lead us to the spirit of burning so that God can purify us and do a new work in and through us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. Lord, open up our heart to correction. Lord, when you correct us and when you chastise us, give us the wisdom to do something about it. Not just to hear it and do nothing, but to take that word of correction and then to apply it in our life, to change our course of action, to change our way of thinking, so that that can align with your way of thinking and your way of acting. And Lord, when it comes time for the spirit of burning to come, Lord, we thank you that you're going to freely give it to your people as we make our desire known right now today. Lord, purify us. Burn away those parts of our lives that are holding us back, that the enemy is using, twisting and distorting to keep us away from you and from your purposes. Lord, let it all burn away. Lord, burn away anything in our life that's not in line with your will. Burn away anything that's not in line with your purposes for our life. And Lord, give us the Holy Ghost fire, not just a little, not just enough to get by. We want all of it. We want to be overflowing with fire for you. We want to have an unquenchable love and zeal and passion for serving you, just like Jeremiah did, to the point where even if we wanted to stop, we wouldn't be able. Lord, we thank you that you're bringing this about in our life right now. And Lord, we thank you for the change that this is going to bring about in the lives of those around us. 
Lord, we thank you that the fire of your word is in our mouth. And as we speak it, it's going to spread. And Lord, we thank you for the fires that are going to be lit in the lives of those around us. And Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to have the spirit of burning and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.